on this January the 6th. This is the day of Epiphany. But we're not going to be taking a look at it because yesterday's sermon was all about the second Sunday after Christmas. And next week is the baptism of our Lord, which we'll be looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. And so that's what we'll be examining right now. And then we'll end uh, today on this, the 6th. And then tomorrow, we'll be having a hymn analysis with Mark Smith on To Jordan Came the Christ, Our Lord. So, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, we really don't know what that means unless we look at the previous chapter. Because the Apostle Paul writes, the law came in to increase the trespass. What does that mean? That's verse 29 of chapter 5. When we hear the law, either from our parents or from God, we tend almost immediately to decide to reject it. I'll tell my son, I'm going out to the garage. Don't go down in the basement for about five minutes. I go to the garage. What does he do? He goes down to the basement immediately. And so we have a situation where what is going on? We love to go against the law because we want to feel independent. So Paul writes then in chapter 6, in light of the fact that chapter 5 tells us that grace reigns through righteousness leading to eternal life, then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? The more sin we do, the more forgiveness we receive. Paul says, verse 2, by no means... How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You see, this is a teaching of Christianity that needs to be understood. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. How are those particular historical acts, how do they relate to us? How do we receive benefits from them? We receive benefits because in Christ, we who die to sin still may live in it, but if you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, you are baptized into his death. What does that mean? What it means is that even though Jesus died on the cross, somehow the benefits of that death had to come to us. 
And the way they come to us is God uses baptism as a sacrament to deliver the benefits of Christ's death. What are the benefits of Christ's death? Well, he paid the price of our sins. So forgiveness is a big benefit. And if you have been baptized into Christ Jesus, you are baptized into his death. In fact, not only were we on the cross with him, it goes on, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Therefore, through baptism, we receive the benefits of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That is a teaching found throughout the New Testament. And uh, particularly in some passages, it becomes very clear. If you take a look, for example, at Ephesians uh, chapter 3, it says that precisely, that a lot of people may miss that we not only were buried with him in baptism, were with him in the tomb, but also, guess what? We are with Christ at the right hand of God. That's found, I said, Ephesians 3, it's Ephesians 2. Let me read that section. But God, verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So that means, yes, we were dead in sin as Jesus became sin for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? made us alive together with Christ, we also will be raised from the dead. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we have been raised with Jesus in the heavenly places. We also, with Jesus, are at the right hand of God right now. How can that be? Because we're part of the body of Christ. He's the head. We're parts of the body. And wherever the head is, so also is the body. In other words, with Jesus at the right hand of God, when we pray to Jesus we therefore receive instant answers because he is our advocate between us and God the Father. So that's what 
happens when you are baptized. Uh, the Trinitarian baptism or the Pentecost baptism, which occurs in Acts chapter 2. We're baptized into his death, into his resurrection, and into his ascension. That's what it means. Verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Well, what does that mean, that newness of life? Well, what that's referring to is we have a new life because we are born not only of the flesh, but now we are born of the spirit. We have a new state in life in which the Holy Spirit places us so that we can produce good works. Take a look at Matthew 25. The sheep are commended for their many good works, but that is because they have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the goats may do the same works, but their motivation is out of self-interest, not out of love for Jesus Christ, which is motivated in us by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, we're looking at Romans 6. 4, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So, I tell you, this is so important when we're talking about baptism, that just as we were united with him in baptism, in his death, we're also united with him in our resurrection. And as we said before, also in our ascension to heaven. We are at the right hand of God. This is an amazing thing that God has done in order to help us come to a proper understanding of what we're dealing with. So, we continue then with verse 7. For one who has died no longer is enslaved to sin. It kind of reminds us of a woman who's married is no longer considered tied to her husband when he dies. She's free to remarry. And therefore, this is very important to understand that God gives us that wonderful gift in order that we are no longer alive to sin. We're instead dead to sin. It, it has no impact over us anymore. One of the most important passages in the Bible is not part of the reading. 
The reading ends at verse 11. But I want to read what is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It's verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What does that mean? Well, sin will have dominion over you, means you are no longer going to be held accountable for your sin. That's what the witness of sin is all about. Why is that? Because you are not under law, but under grace. What does it mean to be under law? You'll recall that Jesus, when he was conceived and born, was under law. A lot of people get the impression that means he had to obey the laws of Moses, the ceremonial laws. He was circumcised. Uh, Forty days after the birth, Mary and Jesus were presented in the temple. And he followed a lot of the ceremonial laws, but that's not what is meant by being under law. When a person, any human being, is born, they are under law in the sense of being under the curse of the law. That's what it means to be under law, to be under the curse of the law. That's why Satan tempted Jesus many times, not just in the wilderness after his baptism, but continually, because if he could have gotten Jesus to sin once, then the death of Jesus on the cross would have been for his own sin, not for ours. Being under the law, therefore, he was under that curse that in the day that you sin, you will die. Well, Jesus not only died, he went to hell on the cross by being forsaken by the Father. But he did that willingly, even though he had no sin. But God declared him to be sin for us. And therefore, his death on the cross was for the sins of every human being, past, present, and future. This may sound strange, but Christianity teaches that because you are not under law, but under grace, there is no sin you do say or think that can send you to hell if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. The only thing that can send a believer from heaven to hell is when he no longer is a believer, and that's called unbelief. And in fact, it's such a serious situation that God established excommunication as the process to bring a believer who's fallen into unbelief back to faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what verse 7 means. For one who has died has been of the Christian faith. Going on to verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Notice that that is not a future tense, that we will live 
with him in the sense of the future. It is that we will also live with him right now. In other words, you live with Jesus because your sins no longer are accounted to you. They are accounted to Jesus. Verse 9, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. So because death has no longer dominion over him, and you are in Christ, therefore, we now understand that death has no longer dominion over us. Because we are not under law, we are under grace. Very, very important point that can be explained to a non-Christian in order that they will come to a realization that we are free from sin through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. You see, in the ceremonial laws, the death of animals were continuous because no death, no sacrifice of an animal ever helped someone to get their sins forgiven. That's clearly taught in Hebrews chapter 10. So why did God have them sacrifice so many animals? The ceremonial laws were put in place to help people understand that they were sinners in need of a savior. And therefore the sacrifice of animals, particularly lambs or sheep, were significant. As we remember what John the baptizer said, behold, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sins of the world. They were reminders of our need for a savior. Well, what is our reminder today that we are sinners in need of a savior? We don't do ceremonial laws anymore. We are not theologians of the ceremonial laws. We are theologians of the cross. No one can look to the cross and come out with a conclusion that obviously that wasn't for me because I'm not a sinner. No, he died for all. So it is the cross that makes it clear to us that we are sinners in need of a savior. That's very, very important for us. Jesus is our savior. He only had to die once and he died for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God, which means he lives to God the Father. Verse 11. The, the last verse in our reading for this next Sunday. So 
you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Reminds us again, when the husband of a wife dies, she is now dead to the marriage vows. They are no longer in place. And that's why she is free to remarry. That's a very important kind of analogy to what happens to us. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful teaching, this Romans 6, because it really talks about how important baptism is. Now, if a person comes to faith through hearing the word of God, they also become a believer. And what baptism provides them, which they don't have as just a believer, is the gift of the Holy Spirit and therefore the motivation to live properly. I know today is Epiphany, and we didn't go over those readings. We're going to probably use the Epiphany readings on Wednesday for our weekly Bible study with other congregations. Just recall and remember that tomorrow's Law and Gospel will be taking a look at the hymn for the baptism of our Lord which is coming this next Sunday. To Jordan came the Christ our Lord. Until then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.